This is part 5i of Heaven on Earth by Thomas Brooks. This is a book on Christian assurance and we're considering things that accompany salvation. Today we're considering a, a most excellent topic. We're considering the topic of Christian love. The things that accompany salvation, love. The fifth thing that I am to show you is what love that is that accompanies salvation. That love doth accompany salvation I have formerly showed you. But now I shall show you what that love is that doth accompany salvation, and that I shall do in these following that I shall do in these following particulars. I shall not speak of the firstness, freeness, fullness, sweetness, and greatness of Christ's love to us, but of that love of ours that accompanies salvation, concerning which I shall say thus: the qualities of love. One, it is superlative. First, the love that accompanies salvation is a superlative love, a transcendent love. True love to Christ doth wonderfully transcend <clears throat> and surpass the love of all relations, the love of father, mother, wife, child, brother, sister, yea, life itself. Matthew chapter 10 verses 37 and 38 and Luke 14 verses 26, 27 and 34. And Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. Christ will be Alexander or Nemo. He will be all or nothing at all. There are the great causes of love. There are the highest causes of love. There are all the causes of love to be found in Christ. In angels and men there are only some particular causes of love. All causes of love are eminently and only to be found in Christ, Colossians 1.19. It pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. There is not only fullness, but an overflowing of fullness in Jesus Christ. All wisdom, all knowledge, all light, all life, all love, all goodness, all beauties, all sweetness, all blessedness, all joys, all delights, all pleasures, all beatitudes, all excellences, all glories are in Christ. Colossians 2.9 The true lovers of Christ know that Christ loves as a head, as a king, as a father, as a husband, as a brother, as a kinsman, as a friend. The love of all relations meets in the love of Christ. And this raises up a believer to love Christ with a transcendent love. They know that Christ loves them more than they love themselves. Yea, that he loves them above the, his very life, John 10 verses 17 and 18. And Magnus Amoris, Amor, love is the magnet of love. Christ is amiable and lovely. He is famous and com conspicuous. He is spotless and matchless in his names, in his natures, in his offices, in his graces, in his gifts, in his revelations, in his appearances, in his ordinances. He is full of gravity, majesty, mercy and glory. He is white and ruddy, the chiefest among ten thousand. His mouth is sweetness, yea, all of him is desires, or all of him is delights. Song of Solomon 5.10-16 Christ is wholly delectable. He is altogether desirable from top to toe. He is amiable and lovely. He is glorious and excellent.
Christ is lovely. Christ is very lovely. Christ is most lovely. Christ is always lovely. Christ is altogether lovely. He is the express image of God. He is the brightness of his Father's glory. If the soul can but discover him, it shall find in him all high perfections and supereminent excellencies. And upon these and such like considerations, the saints are led forth to love Jesus Christ with a most transcendent love. 2. It is obedient. Secondly, that love that accompanies salvation is a love that obeys. It is operative and working love. The love of Christ makes a man subject to the commands of Christ. If any man love me, he will keep my commandments. And again, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. John 14:21. Divine love is very operative. Psalm 116, verse 1. I love the Lord, says David. Well, but how doth this love work? Why, says he, I will walk in his ways. I will pay my vows. I will take the cup of salvation. I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I will call upon the name of the Lord as long as I live. Verses 2, uh, 9, 13, 14 and 17 of Psalm 116. Divine love is not stinted nor limited to one sort of duty, but is free to all. He that loveth flieth, he that loveth runneth, he that loveth believeth, he that loveth rejoiceth, he that loveth mourneth, he that loveth giveth, he that loveth lendeth, he that loveth beareth, he that loveth waiteth, he that loveth hopeth. Hebrews 6.10 For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love. Love makes the soul laborious. That love that accompanies salvation is very active and operative. It is like the virtuous woman in the Proverbs that said all her maidens on work. It is never quiet, but in doing the will of God, it will not suffer any grace to sit idle in the soul. It will egg and set on all other graces to act and operate. Love sets faith upon drawing from Christ, and patience upon waiting on Christ, and humility upon submitting to Christ, and godly sorrow upon mourning over Christ, and self-denial upon forsaking of the nearest and dearest comforts for Christ. As the sun makes the earth fertile, so doth divine love make the soul fruitful in works of righteousness and holiness. He that loves cannot be idle nor barren. Loves makes the soul constant and abundant in well-doing, 2 Corinthians 5.14. The love of Christ constraineth us. It doth urge us and put us forward. It carries us on as men possessed with a vehemency of spirit, whereas a ship which is driven with strong winds towards the desired haven. Natural love makes the child, the servant, the wife obedient. So doth divine love make the soul better at obeying than at disputing. The soul that loves Christ will never cease to obey till he ceases to be. That love that accompanies salvation is like the sun. The sun, you know, casteth his beams upward and downward, to the east and to the west, to the north and to the south. So the love of a saint ascends to God above and descends to men on earth, to our friends on the right hand, to our enemies on the left hand, to them that are in a state of grace, to them that are in a state of nature. Divine love will still be a working one way or another, a working one way or another. Three. 
it is sincere. Thirdly, that love that accompanies salvation is a sincere and incorrupt love. Ephesians 6.24 Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. The true-bred Christian, Amat Christa, Christum Propter Christum, loves Christ for Christ. He loves Christ for that internal and eternal worth that is in him. He loves him for his incomparable excellency and beauty, for that transcendent sweetness, loveliness, holiness and goodness that is in him. He is none of those that loves Christ for loaves, neither will he with Judas kiss Christ and betray him, nor yet will he be with those Will he with those in the gospel cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, one day, and crucify him, crucify him the next, Matthew 21, 9 and 15. They love Christ with a virgin love, Song of Solomon 1, 3. The virgins love thee. They love thee in much sincerity, purity and integrity. They love thee for that fragrant savour, for that natural sweetness, for that incomparable goodness that is in thee. So verse 4. The upright love thee, or as it is in the Hebrew, uprightness, uprightnesses love thee. Uprightnesses being put for the upright ones, the abstract for the concrete, or they love thee in uprightnesses. That is most uprightly, most entirely, most sincerely, and not as hypocrites who love thee for base carnal respects, who love thee in compliment but not in realities, who love thee in word and tongue but despise thee in heart and life, who love the gift more than the giver. That love that accompanies salvation is real and cordial love. It is sincere and upright love. It makes the soul love Christ, the giver, more than the gift. It makes the soul love the gift for the giver's sake. It will make the soul to love the giver without his gifts. And verily they shall not be long without good gifts from Christ, that love Christ more than his gifts. The Emperor Vespasian commanded that a liberal reward should be given to a woman that came and professed that she was in love with him, and when his steward asked him what item he should put to it in his book of accounts, the Emperor answered, Vespasianu Adamato, item to her that loved Vespasian. Ah, uh, Christians, shall Vespasian, a heathen prince, reward her liberally that loved his person? And will not the Lord Jesus much more reward them with his choicest gifts that love him more than his gifts? Surely Christ will not be worse than a heathen. He will not, not act below a heathen. He shall never be a loser that loves Christ for that spiritual sweetness and loveliness that is in Christ. Christ will not live long in that man's debts. For it is vehement. Fourthly, that love that accompanies salvation is a vehement love, an ardent love. It is a spark of heavenly fire and it puts all the affections into a holy flame. Song of Solomon 1.7 Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest. This amiable, amorous, pathetic style of address, O thou whom my soul loveth, speaks to the spouse's love to be hot and burning towards Christ. So in Isaiah 26 8 and 9. The desire of our souls is towards thee and to the remembrance of thy name. With my soul have I desired thee in the night, yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. This affectionate, this passionate form of speech, with my soul have I desired thee, and with my spirit within me will I seek thee, 
does elegantly set forth the vehement and ardent love of the church to Christ, so doth that pathetic exclamation of the church, Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. Song of Solomon 2.5 The betrothed virgin cannot show more strong and vehement love to her beloved than by being sick and surprised with love qualms. When she meets him, when she enjoys him, it was so here with the spouse of Christ. The love of Christ to believers is a vehement love, an ardent love. Witness his leaving his father's bosom, his putting off for us his royal robes, his bleeding and his dying. And it doth naturally beget vehement and ardent love in all the beloved of God. Where Christ loves, he always begets somewhat like himself. That love is as flat, lukewarm or cold, will leave a man to freeze this side heaven, but will fit him for the warmest place in hell. Dive's love was very cold, and he found the flames of hell to be very hot. That love that accompanies salvation is full of heat and fire. 5. It is permanent. Fifthly, that love that accompanies salvation is lasting love. It is permanent love. The objects of it are lasting the springs and causes of it are lasting. The nature of it is lasting. The primitive Christians loved not their lives unto the death. Revelation 12:11. Persecutors have taken away the martyrs' lives for Christ, but could never destroy their love to Christ. Ephesians 6:24. Grace be with all that love the Lord Jesus in sincerity, or in incorruption, as the Greek word signifies whereby the Apostle gives us to understand that true love to Christ is not liable to corruption, putrefaction or decay, but is constant and permanent, lasting, yea, everlasting. That love that accompanies salvation is like to the oil in the cruise and the meal in the barrel that wasted not. It is like the apple tree of Persia that buddeth, blossometh and beareth fruit every month. It is like the lamp in the story that never went out. It is like the stone in Thracia that neither burned in the fire nor sinketh in the water. The Song of Solomon 8, verses 6 and 7. Love is strong as death. Many waters cannot quench it, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would be condemned. Love will outlive all enemies, temptations, oppositions, afflictions, persecutions, dangers and deaths. Love's motto is nullicido, I yield to none. Love is like the sun, the sun beginning to ascend in his circle, never goes back till he comes to the highest degree thereof. True love abhors apostasy, it aspires to more perfection, <coughs> and is contented not, until, like Elijah's fiery chariot, it hath carried the soul to heaven. Many men's love to Christ is like the morning dew. It is like Jonah's gourd that came up in a night and vanished in a night. But that love that accompanies salvation is like Ruth's love, a lasting and an abiding love. It is love that will bed and board with the soul, that will lie down and rise up with the soul, that will go to the fire, to the prison, to the grave, to heaven with the soul. 6. It is abounding. Sixthly, that love that accompanies salvation is an abounding love, an increasing love. Love is in a saint is like the waters in Noah's time that rose higher and higher. The very nature of true love is to abound and rise higher and higher. Philippians 1.9 
This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. The longer a believer lives and the more eminent and excellent causes of love he sees in Christ, Christ reveals himself gradually to the soul. Now a believer's love to Christ rises answerable to the causes of love that he sees in Christ. The more light, the more love. Knowledge and love, like the water and the ice, beget each other. Man loves Christ by knowing and knows Christ by loving. Man's love is answerable to his light. He cannot love much that knows but little. He cannot love little that knows much. As a man rises higher and higher in his apprehensions of Christ, so he cannot but rise higher and higher in his affections to Christ. Again, the daily mercies and experiences that they have of the love of Christ, of the care of Christ, of the kindnesses and compassions of Christ, working more and more towards them, cannot but raise their affections more and more to him. As fire is increased by adding a fuel unto it, so is our love to Christ upon fresh and new manifestations of his great love towards us. As the husband abounds in his love to his wife, so the wife rises in her love to her husband. The more love the father manifests to the child, the more ingenious child rises in his uh, affection, affections to him. So the more love the Lord Jesus shows to us, the more he is beloved by us. Christ showed much love to Mary Magdalene, and this raises her in her much love to Christ. She loved much, for much was forgiven her. Luke 7, verse 47 and 48. As the Israelites, Numbers 33, verse 29, removed their tents from Mithka to Hashmona, from sweetness to swiftness, as the words import. So the sweetness of divine love manifested to the soul makes the soul more sweet, swift and high in the exercise and actings of love towards Christ. A soul under special manifestations of love weeps that it can love Christ no more. Mr. Welch, a Suffolk minister, weeping at table and being asked the reason of it, answered, it was because he could, not, he could love Christ no more. The true lovers of Christ can never rise high enough in their love to Christ. They count a little love to be no love, great love to be but little, strong love to be but weak, and the highest love to be infinitely below, below the worth of Christ the beauty and glory of Christ, the fullness, sweetness and goodness of Christ. The top of their misery in this life is that they love so little, though they are so much beloved. 7. It cannot be hid. 7. And lastly, that love that accompanies salvation is open love. It is manifested love. It is love that cannot be hid, that cannot be covered and buried. It is like the sun, it will shine forth and show itself to all the world. A man cannot love Christ, but he will show it in these and such like things as follow. First, divine love makes the soul even ready to break in, longing after a further, clearer and fuller enjoyment of Christ. The voice of divine love is, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, Revelation 22.20. Make haste, my beloved, and be thou like to a roe, or to a young heart upon the mountains of spices, Song of Solomon 8.14. I desire to be dissolved and to be with Christ, which for me is best of all, Philippians 1.23. It is a mercy, says Paul, for Christ to be with me, but it is a greater mercy for me to be with Christ. 
I desire to die that I may see my Saviour. I prefer not to live that I may live with my Redeemer. Love desires and endeavours forever to be present, to converse with, to enjoy, to be closely and eternally united to its object, Christ. The longing of the espoused maid for the marriage day, of the traveller for his inn, of the mariner for his haven, and of the captive for his ransom, is not to be compared to the longings of the lovers of Christ after a further and fuller enjoyment of Christ. The lovers of Christ do well know that till they are taken up into glory, their chains will not fall off, till then their glorious robes shall not be put on, till then all sorrow and tears shall not be wiped from their eyes, till then their joy will not be full, their comforts pure, their peace lasting, their grace is perfect, and this makes them look for and long after the enjoyment of the person of Christ. It was a notable saying of one, Let all the devils in hell, saith he, beset me round. Let fasting macerate my body. Let sorrows oppress my mind. Let pains consume my flesh. Let watchings dry me, or heat scorch me, or cold freeze me. Cold freeze me. Let all these, and what can come more, happen unto me, so I may enjoy my Saviour. So I may enjoy my Saviour. Secondly, love to Christ shows itself by enabling the soul to abase itself, that Christ may be exalted, to lessen itself, to make Christ the greater, to cloud itself, that Christ alone may shine. Love cares not what it is, nor what it doth, so it may but advance the Lord Jesus. It makes the soul willing to be a footstool for Christ, to be anything, to be nothing, that Christ may be all in all. Revelation 4.10 and 11. John 3 verses 26 to 31, Philip 3 verses 7 and 8. Thirdly, that love that accompanies salvation sometimes shows itself by enabling the soul to be cheerful and resolute, to be patient and constant in sufferings for Christ. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love endureth all things. Love will not complain. Love will not say the burden is too great, the prison is too dark, the furnace is too hot. The chains are too heavy, or the cup is too bitter. Acts 21 verse 13. The true lover of Christ can slight his life out of love to Christ, as that blessed virgin in Basil, who, being condemned for Christianity to the fire, and having her estate and life offered her, if she would worship idols, cried, Let money perish and life vanish. Christ is better than all. So Alice Driver said, I drove my father's plough often, yet I can die for Christ as soon as any of you all. That love that accompanies salvation makes a Christian free and forward in suffering anything that makes for the glory of Christ. Fourthly, that love that accompanies salvation shows itself by enabling the soul to be pleased or displeased as Christ is pleased or displeased. The soul that loves Christ hath his eye upon Christ, and that which makes Christ frown makes him frown, and what makes Christ smile makes him smile. Love is impatient of anything that may displease a beloved Christ. Look what Harp Paulus said, Quod regi placet mihi placet, what pleaseth the king pleaseth me. And a true lover of Christ says, what pleaseth Christ pleaseth me. Holiness pleaseth Christ, and holiness pleaseth me, saith a lover of Christ. It pleaseth Christ to overcome evil with good, to overcome hatred with love, 
enmity with amity, pride with humility, and passion with meekness, and the same pleaseth me, says a lover of Christ. 1 John 4 verse 17. As he is, so are we in this world. Our love answers to Christ's love. Our hatred answers to Christ's hatred. He loves all righteousness and hates all wickedness. So do we, say the lovers of Christ, Psalm 119, verses 113, 128, and 163. It is said of Constantine's, Constantine's children that they resembled their father to the life and that they put him wholly on. True lovers of Christ resemble Christ to the life and they put him wholly on. Hence it is that they are called Christians, 1 Corinthians 12.12. 12. Fifthly, true love to Christ shows itself sometimes by enabling the lovers of Christ to expose themselves to suffering, to save Christ from suffering in his glory, to adventure the loss of their own crowns, to keep Christ's crown upon his head, to adventure drowning, to save Christ's honour from sinking. Thus did the three children, Daniel, Moses, and other worthies, Hebrews 11. I have read of a servant who dearly loved his master, and knowing that his master was looked for by his enemies, he put on his master's clothes and was taken for his master and suffered death for him. Divine love will make a man do as much for Christ. It will make a man hang for Christ and burn for Christ. Revelation 12.11 They loved not their lives unto the death. Christ and his truth were dearer to them than their lives. They slighted, condemned, yea, despised their very lives when they stood in competition with Christ and his glory and chose rather to suffer the greatest misery than that Christ should lose the last dram of his glory. Sixthly, that, lo that love that accompanies salvation shows itself sometimes by enabling the lovers of Christ to be affected and afflicted with the dishonours that are done to Christ. Psalm 119, 136 Mine eyes run down with rivers of tears because men keep not thy law. Also Jeremiah 9, 1 and 2 So Lot's soul was vexed, racked and tortured with the filthy conversation of the wicked Sodomites. 2 Peter 2, verses 7 and 8 The turning of his own flesh, his wife into a pillar of salt, did not vex him, but their sins did rack his righteous soul. Psalm 69, 9 The reproaches of them that reproached thee fell upon me. A woman is most wounded in her husband, so is a Christian in his Christ. Though Moses was a dumb child in his own cause, yet when the Israelites, by making and dancing about their golden calf, had wounded the honour and glory of God, he shows himself to be much affected and afflicted for the dishonour done to God. The statue of Apollo is said to shed tears for the afflictions of the Grecians, though he could not help them. So a true lover of Christ will shed tears for those dishonours that are done to Christ, though he knows not how to prevent them. It is between Christ and his lovers, as it is between two lute strings that are tuned one to another. No sooner is one struck, but the other trembles. So no sooner is Christ struck, but a Christian trembles. And no sooner is a Christian struck, but Christ trembles. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Acts 9.4 Seventhly, that love that accompanies salvation doth show itself by enabling the soul to observe with a curious, critical eye 
Christ's countenance and carriage, and by causing the soul to be sad or cheerful, as Christ's carriage and countenance is towards the soul. When Christ looks sad and carries it sadly, then to be sad, as Peter was, Christ cast a sad look upon him, and that made his heart sad. He went forth and wept bitterly. And when Christ looks sweetly and speaks kindly and carries it lovingly, then to be cheerful and joyful as the church was in Song of Solomon 3.4. It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found, I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. So the church of Isaiah 61 verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. A true lover of Christ hath his eye always upon Christ. And as his countenance stands, so is he glad or sad, cheerful or sorrowful. Tigranes in Xenophon's history, coming to redeem his father and friends while his, with his wife, that were taken prisoners by King Cyrus, was asked among other questions this, that is, what ransom he would give for his wife. He answered he would redeem her liberty with his own life. But having prevailed for all their liberties, as they returned together, everyone commended Cyrus for a goodly man, and Tigranes would needs know of his wife what she thought of him. Truly, she said, I cannot tell, for I did not so much as look on him or see him. Whom then, said he wonderingly, did you look upon? Whom should I look upon, said she, but him that would have redeemed my liberty with the loss of his own life? So a Christian, a true lover of Christ, esteems nothing worth a looking upon but Christ, who hath redeemed him with his own blood. 8. It delights to see the divine image in fellow believers. 8thly, that love that accompanies salvation... Reaches forth a hand of kindness to those that bear the image of Christ. 1 John 5 verses 1 and 2. Everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Now, because many mistake in their love to the saints and their consequences that follow, that mistake are very dangerous and pernicious to the souls of men. I shall therefore briefly hint to you the properties of that love to the saints that accompanies salvation and 1. The first property, the first is this, true love to the saints is spiritual. It is a love for the image of God that is stamped upon the soul. Colossians 1.8 Epaphras hath declared to us your love in the spirit. A soul that truly loves, loves the Father for his own sake, and the children for the Father's sake. Many there are that love Christians for their goods, not for their good. They love them for the money that is in their purse, but not for the grace that is in their hearts. Many, like their bohemian cur, fawned upon a good suit of clothes. Love to the saints, for the image of God stamped upon them is a flower that grows not in nature's garden, no man can love grace in another man's heart, but he that hath grace in his own. 
Men do not more naturally love their parents and love their children and love themselves than they do naturally hate the image of God upon his people and ways. True love is for what of the divine nature, for what of Christ and grace shines in man. It is one thing to love a godly man and another thing to love him for godliness. Many love godly men as they are politicians or powerful or learned or of a sweet nature, but all this is but natural love. But to love them because they are spiritually lovely, because they are all glorious within and their raiment is of embroidered gold, Psalm 45 verses 13, verse 13, is to love them as becometh saints. It is to love them at so high and noble a rate that no hypocrite in the world can reach to it. The wasps fly about the tradesman's shop, not out of love to him, but because of the honey and the fruit that is in there. This age is full of such wasps. The second property. Secondly, true love to the saints is universal. To one Christian as well as another, to all as well as any, to poor Lazarus as well as to rich Abraham, to a despised Job as well as to an admired David, to an afflicted Joseph as well as to a raised Jacob, to a despised disciple as well as to an exalted apostle. Philippians 4.21 Salute every saint, the meanest as well as the richest, the weakest as well as the strongest, the lowest as well as the highest. They have all the same spirit, the same Jesus, the same faith. They are all fellow members, fellow travellers, fellow soldiers, fellow citizens, fellow heirs, and therefore must they all be loved with a sincere and cordial love. The Apostle James doth roundly condemn that partial love that was seen among professors in his days, James 2, 1 and 2. Not that the Apostle doth absolutely prohibit a civil differencing, differencing of men in place from others, but when the rich man's wealth is more regarded than the poor man's godliness, and when men behave so to the rich as to cast scorn, contempt, disgrace and discouragement upon the godly poor, this is a sin for which God will visit the sins of pride, the sons of pride. Pompey told his Cornelia, It is no praise for thee to have loved Pompeium Magnum, Pompey the Great, but if thou lovest Pompeium Miserum, Pompey the Miserable, then shalt thou be a pattern for imitation to all posterity. I will leave you to apply it. Romanus, the martyr. who was born of noble parentage, entreated his persecutors that they would not favour him for his nobility. For it is not, said he, the blood of my ancestors, but my Christian faith that makes me noble. Verily, he that loves one saint for the grace that is in him, for that holiness, that image of God that is upon him, he cannot but fall in love with every saint that bears the lovely image of the Father upon him. He cannot but love a saint in rags as well as a saint in robes, a saint upon the dunghill as well as a saint upon the throne. Usually the most ragged Christians are the richest Christians. They usually have most of heaven that have least of earth. James 2.5 The true diamond shines best in the dark. The third property. Thirdly, our love to the saints is right when we love them and delight in them, answerable to the spiritual causes of love that shine in them. As the more holy and gracious they are, the more we love them. Psalm 16, verses 2 and 3. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. 
This is most certain if godliness be the reason why we love any, then the more any excel others in love, spirit, power and practice of godliness, the more we should love them. There are those that seem to love such godly men as are weak in their judgments, low in their principles and dull in their practices, and yet look with a squint eye upon those that are more sound in their judgment, more high in their principles and more holy in their practices. This doubtless bespeaks more hypocrisy than sincerity. Verily he hath either no grace or but a little grace that doth not love most, where the spiritual causes of love do most shine and appear. Surely those Christians that envy those gifts and graces of God in others, that outshine their own, are under a very great distemper of spirit. John's disciples muttered and murmured because Christ had more followers and admirers than John. And Christ's disciples are not all dead. Yea, they seem to have a new resurrection in these days. Well, as the fairest day hath its clouds and the finest linen its spots, the richest jewels their floors, the sweetest fruits their worms, so when precious Christians are under temptations, they may and too often do envy and repine at those graces, abilities and other excellences that cloud, darken and outshine their own. The best of men are too full of pride and self-love and that makes them sometimes cast dirt and disgrace upon that excellency that they themselves lack, as did that great man that could not write his own name and yet called the liberal arts a public poison and pestilence. There is no greater argument that our grace is true and that we do love others for grace's sake and are loving them best that have most grace, though they have least of worldly goods. A pearl is rich if found on a dunghill, though it may glitter more when set in a ring of gold. So many a poor believer is rich and glorious in the eye of Christ, and should be so in ours, though like Job he sits upon a dunghill, and though to the world he may seem to glitter most when adorned with riches, honour and outward pomp. The fourth property, fourthly, true love to saints is constant. 1 Corinthians 13.8 Love never faileth, it continues forever in heaven. That love was never true that is not constant. Hebrews 13.1 Let brotherly love continue. True love is constant in prosperity and adversity, in storms and calms, in health and sickness, in presence and in absence. Thy own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. A friend, says the wise man, loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 17.17 17. Prosperity makes friends, and adversity will try friends. A true friend is neither known in prosperity nor hid in adversity. True love is like that of Ruth's to Naomi, and that of Jonathan's to David, permanent and constant. Many there be those loves whose love to the saints is like Job's brooks, Job 6, 15 and 16, which in winter, when we have no need, overflow with tenders of service and shows of love. But when the season is hot and dry, and the poor thirsty traveller stands in most need of water to refresh him, then the brooks are quite dried up. They are like the shallow that will stay by you in the summer, but fly from you in the winter. It is observed by Josephus of the Samaritans that when... Ever the Jews' affairs prospered, they would be their friends and profess much love to them. But if the Jews were in trouble and wanted their assistance, then they would not own them nor have anything to do with them. 
This age is full of such Samaritans, yet such as truly love will always love in the primitive times. It is very in the primitive times it is very much taken notice of by the very heathen that in the depth of misery, when fathers and mothers forsook their children, Christians otherwise strangers, stuck close to one another, their love of religion and of one of another proved firmer than that of the nature. They seem to take away the sun out of the world, says Cicero to the, or- the orator, who take away friendship from the life of men. And we do not more need fire and water than constant friendship. 9. It enables the soul to receive Christ's rebukes. Ninthly, that love that accompanies salvation doth manifest and show itself by enabling the soul to be quiet and still under Christ's rebukes. Peter sits down quiet under a threefold reproof. Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. John 21, verses 16 to 18. So, uh, Eli, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good in his own eyes. 1 Samuel 3:18. And Aaron held his peace when he saw the flames about his son's ears. Leviticus 10:3. So, David, I was dumb, and I opened not my mouth because thou didst it. Psalm 39, 9. The lovers of Christ are like the Scythian that went naked in the snow, and when Alexander wondered how he could endure it, he answered, I am all forehead. Oh, the lovers of Christ are all forehead to bear the rebukes of the Lord Jesus. The lovers of Christ know that all his rebukes are from love. Whom he loves, he rebukes. Revelation 3.19 They can see smiles through Christ's frowns. They know that to argue that Christ hates them because he rebukes them is the devil's logic. They know that all the rebukes of Christ are in order to their internal and eternal good, and that that quiets them. They know that all the rebukes of Christ are but forerunners of some glorious manifestations of greater love to their souls. Psalm 71, verses 20 and 21. Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles shalt quicken me again, and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. They know that it is the sorest judgment in the world to go on freely in a way of sin which re- without rebukes. Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone, Hosea 4.17, and therefore they keep silence before the Lord. They lay ha- one hand upon their mouths and the other upon their hearts, and so sit mute before the Holy One. 10. It laments over dishonours done to Christ. Tenthly, That love that accompanies salvation shows itself by working the heart to be affected and afflicted with the least dishonours that are done to Christ. Love is curious of little things. It is as much afflicted with an idle word or with an impure dream as lovers of Christ are with adultery or blasphemy. David did but cut off the lap of Saul's garment and his heart smote him. 1 Samuel 24.5 Though he did it to convince Saul of his false jealousy and his own innocency, love will not allow of the least infirmity. Romans seven fifteen, that which I do I allow not. Love will make a man aim at angelical purity and perfect innocency. Love will be getting up to the top of Jacob's ladder. Love can rest in nothing below perfection. Love makes a man look more at what he should be than at what he is. It makes a man strive as for life to imitate the highest examples and to write after the choicest copies. Love fears every image of offence. 
It trembles at the appearance of one. It does not, it cannot allow itself to do anything that looks like sin. It hates the garment spotted with the flesh. It shuns the occasions of sin and it shuns itself as it shuns hell itself. This is the divine glory of a Christian's love. It is better to die with hunger than to eat that which is offered to idols, saith Augustine. I have read of a holy man who, out of his love to Christ and hatred of idolatry, would not give one halfpenny toward the building of an idol's temple, though he was provoked thereunto by intolerable torments. Love knows that the least evils are contrary to the greatest good. They are contrary to the nature of Christ, the commands of Christ, the spirit of Christ, the grace of Christ, the glory of Christ, the blood of Christ. Love knows that little dishonours, if I may call any sin little, make way for greater as little thieves unlock the door and make way for greater. Love knows that little sins multiplied become great as love knows that there is nothing less that a grain of sand, so love knows that there is nothing heavier than the sand of the sea when multiplied. 11. It keeps the heart for Christ alone. 11. That love that accompanies salvation will show itself by keeping the doors of the heart shut against those treacherous lovers that would draw the heart from Christ. Love is a golden key to let in Christ and a strong lock to keep out others. Though many may knock at love's door, yet love will open to none but Christ. Song of Solomon 5.6 I open to my beloved, and 8.7 Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would be utterly condemned. Or as the Hebrew reads, condemning it would be condemned. When... The world would buy his love. The Christian cries out with Peter, Thy money perish with thee, Acts 8.20. Love makes a man look with a holy scorn and disdain upon all persons and things that attempt either to force or flatter him out of his love and loyalty to his beloved. It is neither force nor fraud. It is neither promises nor threatenings. It is neither the cross nor the crown, the palace nor the prison the rod nor the robe, the hempen halter nor the golden chain, that will make love embrace a stranger in the room of Christ. Go, says divine love, offer your gold and empty your glories to others, your pleasures and your treasures to others. Put on your lion's skin and frighten others, as for my part I scorn and condemn your golden offers, and I disdain and deride your rage and threats. Love makes a man too noble, too high, too gallant, and too faithful to open any to any lover but Christ, to let any lie between the breasts but Christ. Song of Solomon 1.13 A bundle of myrrh is my beloved unto me. He shall lie all night betwixt my breasts. When Basil was tempted with money and preferment, he answers, Give money that may last for ever, and glory that may eternally flourish. Love makes a man cry out when tempted. <clears throat> Let not any man think that I will embrace other men's goods to forsake Christ. Love makes a man cry out when tempted, as that worthy convert did. I am not the man that I was when my heart was void of divine love. I was as easily conquered as I was tempted. Oh, but now he hath shed abroad his love in my soul, 
I am not the man that I was. I had rather die than fly or fall before a temptation. 12. It delights in secret communion with Christ. 12. That love that accompanies salvation shows itself by secret visits, by secret expressions of love. The soul that truly loves Christ loves to meet him in a corner, to meet him behind the door, Song of Solomon 2.14, to meet him in the clefts of the rock, where no eye sees, where no ear hears, where no heart observes, Matthew 6.6. Feigned love is much in commending and kissing Christ in public, but unfeigned love is much in embracing and weeping over Christ in the secret place. The Pharisee loved to stand praying in the marketplace and in the temple, Matthew 6.2. But Nathaniel was with Christ under the fig tree, John 1.48. And Cornelius was in prayer in the corner of his house, Acts 10. Apologies for that uh, interruption. And Cornelius was in prayer in the corner of his house, Acts 10. Peter on the housetop. The spouse was busy in the villages, Song of Solomon 7.11. Souls that truly love Christ are much engaged in secret visits, in secret prayer, in secret sighing, in secret groaning, and in secret mourning. True love is good at bolting the door, and is always best when it is most with Christ in a corner. The secret revelations of himself that, make, that Christ makes to souls do much oblige them to the private seeking of him. Arcesilaus, Arcesilaus, I've not come across that name before, Arcesilaus in Plutarch's history, visiting his sick friend and perceiving that he was in need, and yet through modesty was ashamed to ask that he might satisfy the need and yet solve the modesty, secretly conveyed money under his pillow. His friend, finding it after he was gone, was wont to say, Arcesilaus stole this. So Christ steals secret kindnesses upon his people, and that draws them out to be much in secret with him. 13. It longs for the full assurance of Christ's love. 13. That love that accompanies salvation shows itself by breathing after more clear evidence of the full assurance of Christ's love to the soul. Divine love would fain have her drop turned into an ocean, a spark into a flame, her penny into a pound, her might into a million. Souls that truly love can never see enough, and never taste enough, and never feel enough, and never enjoy enough of the love of Christ. When once they have found his love to be better than wine, then nothing will satisfy them but the kisses of his mouth. Song of Solomon 1-2 Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, not with a kiss, but with the kisses of his mouth. A soul, once kissed by Christ, can never have enough of the kisses of Christ. His lips drop myrrh and mercy. No kisses can be compared with the kisses of Christ. The more any soul loves Christ, the more serious, studious and industrious will that soul be to have the love of Christ revealed, confirmed, witnessed and sealed to it. That is a sweet word of the spouse. Solomon 8.6 Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, that is, let me be deeply engraven as a seal into thine heart and affections. Let the love and remembrance of me make a deep impression in thee, and set me as a seal or signet on thine arm. The seal you know is for ratifying, confirming, and making sure of things. 
Oh, says the spouse, establish and confirm me in thy love, and in the outward expressions and manifestations of it. The seals among the Jews were used not as ornaments only, but as monuments of love that were continually in sight and remembrance. Oh, says the church, let me be always in thy sight and remembrance as a monument of thy love. In the old law, you know, the high priest did bear the name of Israel engraven on stones upon his heart and shoulder for a memorial, Exodus 28, verses 11, 12, 21, and 29. Ah, says the church, let my name be deeply engraven upon thy heart. Let me be always in thy eye. Let me be always a memorial upon thy shoulder. Great men have their signets upon their hands as tokens of precious esteem, Jeremiah twenty-two, twenty-four. As I live, saith the Lord, though Keniah the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with a signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee thence. Ah, says the spouse, O highly prized me, Lord Jesus, highly esteem of me, O let me be as dear and precious unto thee as the signet that thou carriest about with thee, or as signets are too great, are, are to great men that wear them. 14. It enables the believer to commit it all to Christ. Fourteenthly, and lastly, that love that accompanies salvation shows itself by enabling a true lover of Christ to commit his richest treasures, his choicest jewels, to the care and custody of Christ. Where we love, we will trust, and as we love, we will trust. Little trust bespeaks little love, great trust bespeaks great love. The lovers of Christ commend to Christ's care their pearls of greatest price, their names, their lives, their souls, their crowns, their innocency, their all. It was a notable saying of Luther, Let him that died for my soul see to the salvation of it. Caesar received not his wounds from the swords of enemies, but from the hands of friends, that is, from trusting in them. Oh, but the lovers of Christ shall never receive any wounds by trusting in Christ, by committing their choicest jewels to his care. For he hath a powerful hand and a wise and loving heart. Christ will hold fast whatever the Father or the saints put into his hand. And thus I have showed you what that love is that doth accompany salvation. Amen. So that ends the section on love, and we come next time to the section on things that accompany salvation, prayer. And I'm looking forward to that as well.